Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. One more time, can you give him a round of applause? All right. Man, these children's dedications are always the best. So much kingdom in there, so much potential. Um, and uh, the, I love them because this is what the church is supposed to look like. Church is supposed to look like family, not business. Did you know that? Uh, I'm not saying that uh, we don't do um, good, wise things around here, organization, stuff like that. Every good family has organization. But in a business, money is first, and a family, people are first, right? All right, so our, our ambition is not to be successful financially. Our, our, our business in the church is to be successful as far as the glory of Jesus, right? And just going after him. And so that, that is, this is what you saw before you um, is discipleship. It is church. It is leadership. Parents blessing their kids, not being in competition with them, but wanting their kids to use them as a step higher than them. Yeah. A parent that's in competition with their kids uh, is a failure as a parent. And, uh, and so that is, that is in leaders that are in competition with people they are supposed to be raising up instead of keeping down uh, failure in leadership. Right? All right. I know that came off stingy. I didn't mean it. I just felt like God's on it. Like this is, this is happy. You know, this is, God's doing this. Everybody smile at your neighbor. All right. All right. Let's change the atmosphere. Hey guys, uh, I've got a, a few moments here this morning. We want to uh, guard your time, but we started a, a series last week called Rebuild. Do you remember that? And uh, so we started a, a series, and oh, I, I do want to say this, I left myself a note. Those connection cards that, um, that Phil Payne so beautifully held up and encouraged us to fill out, remember those? Because of those connection cards, over the past two weeks, we've been able to find out that two people per week over the past two weeks have been putting their faith in Jesus, all right? We would have never known, okay? We would have never known that. So I think that there's so many salvations are happening, but unless we as the church are communicated with, hey, this person dedicated their life to Jesus. They turned to Jesus through faith today. Those connection cards are letting us know that. So we're able to follow up with them. And, uh, and if they're a woman, we plug them in. Uh, they you know, connect them to Heather Trent, who, who loves on them ridiculously, right? So much love there. And if they're a man, they, we plug them in uh, with, uh, with Pastor Ed Gross who also loves on them in a beautiful way. So, and we get people on a discipleship journey where they can start following Jesus. So that's really, really good, right? Um, but we started a series last week uh, called Rebuild. And I just wanna recap on this. And this is a great time to grab your Bibles, open them to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, if you have your, uh, your phones, grab your app. This is gonna be a series where you're gonna want to have a, a notes app or you're gonna wanna bring a journal or something like, like that with a pen so you can take some notes and write some things down because we're gonna be uh, flying through books of the Bible uh, and uh, you know, verse by verse sometimes and you're, you're not gonna wanna miss out on this. Um, not so many stories anymore. We're going to get right to work. But here's Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. Um, that's where we're going to be today. Um, and we talked about last week that rebuilding does not begin with dreams. And rebuilding in the kingdom does not begin with vision. Many times we think about building. I've got a, I've got a vision. I've got a dream. That's really great. But if that vision or dream is not built on the right foundation, it will fall fast. Okay? And so we talked about uh, last week before the dream. And that, that is this. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 1, 
Um, Nehemiah finds out that the, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down in Jerusalem. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. And Nehemiah does not get frustrated, bitter, or angry. He gets broken. Look at verse 4, Nehemiah chapter 1. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, it, it hit me when I was reading this, when I said that leadership in the kingdom does not look angry, it looks loving. And when I encouraged us to trade our anger for tears, uh, it hit me that I also said a few weeks ago that I'm going to be preaching on what biblical masculinity is. And I felt like this kind of, oh, in the church last week that, oh, I thought you were going to be talking about masculinity and us tearing up and us building the future and stuff. And I say, I, I am. And what has to return to the masculine male heart is tears. And what has to be gotten rid of is anger. If you associate your masculinity with anger and bitterness and frustration and rage, um, then you need a, biblical, uh, a bi biblical heart checkup as far as what being a man actually is, okay? And that applies to women as well. But I, we're, we're talking about building leadership into the church and leadership in the kingdom is built on a foundation of tears and brokenness out of, motivated by love for when you, when you see walls that are broken down, when you hear bad news, Okay? When you hear bad news, if you get angry, the Holy Spirit needs to do some healing in your heart. Is that clear? All right. So, so we, we read this. And so before there is a dream, there are tears. God's dreams are, are not driven by anger. So moving from anger to brokenness, motivated by love, is the foundation which dreams are, and visions are built on. Uh, my wife shared this with me uh, this week, that anger is often... Um, uh, is often grief in disguise, she said. So many times when angry people actually stop and they journal and they invite the Holy Spirit into their hearts and say, why am I so ticked off and miffed by everything? Why am I so angry? Many times there's unprocessed pain that has happened, grief, and, it, and that's been disguised as anger, but when you evaluate and you invite the Holy Spirit in, you see that, wow, I'm actually sad, and that's why I'm asking you to trade your anger and your grief for tears. Tears are healing, and you cry it out. And many of you, I just want to give you permission and a reminder that the best thing that you can do today is let tears flow. All right, if you're, a, if you're an ugly crier, man, even better. We're family around here, right? All right, let them out. So if you're constantly frustrated, listen to this. If you're constantly frustrated, it's less a sign of unhealth around you and more a sign of unhealth in you, okay? If you're constantly frustrated, less a sign that stuff is, is unhealthy out here, more a sign that stuff is unhealthy in here. And so we invite the Holy Spirit to come and heal us so then he can use us. But this week we're talking about, we're moving to uh, the second chapter of Nehemiah, uh, starting with verse one. So this is Nehemiah chapter two, verse one. It says this, in the month of Nisan, uh, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. So this is four months after Nehemiah heard his news uh, about the wall broken down and his people not doing well. So in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. Now, the reason it says this is because a Nehemiah as a cupbearer to the king, part of his responsibility was to make the king happy. 
The king didn't want to be brought down and depressed by, you know, sad people around him. He wanted people that, that were at least acting like they wanted to be in the king's presence and happy in the king's presence. And so, but Nehemiah is actually operating in a level of authenticity here that is dangerous to his life. Look at verse, uh, verse 2 of chapter 2. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid because I'm sad in the king's presence, okay? Look at verse three. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire, okay? And then the king uh, in verse four responds like this, because Nehemiah, what he's doing, he's not having a conversation with a friend at Starbucks or wherever you, you go for, you know, to hang out with your friends. He is actually saying something and doing something that is absolutely outside the bounds of, of what should happen in this culture. He's addressing the king with something that's going on in his own heart, okay? But there's something else at work going on here. So he took a massive risk. And then the king responds, the king said, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and then verse five, we'll get there in a second, but I wanna comment on, on these just for a moment. I'm kind of flying, you guys okay? You still with me? All right, I, I wanna make two notes about what we, just, uh, what we just said here, is that it's actually brokenness that opens kingdom doors. I want you to see this. Um, it was not Nehemiah's strategy trying to figure out how he's going to get to the king, how he's gonna get the king to do what he wants, how he's gonna get the king to operate in his vision and strategically trying to arrange the chess pieces here. It's not how it is. It's actually the brokenness that the king saw in Nehemiah's heart is what opened the doors. Nehemiah is, is and, and here's two notes here, that Nehemiah is not taking authority He's not saying, I'm going to walk into the king's courts. I know that he is the, you know, the, 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 you know, runs the whole empire, the Babylonian empire, but I'm just going to take the authority I have in Christ. He's actually not doing that. He's coming under authority. He's actually operating in humility, and that's what moves the king's heart. He's, he's receiving authority, and he's operating from that place of hum humility, and the king responds to that. But I also want you to see this, that Nehemiah is not rushing. Um, Nehemiah, it is four months since Nehemiah first heard the bad news, and Nehemiah did, did not just sit down and cry for uh, a few moments and then get up angry. He waited four months until God opened doors that he never could, okay? So he's operating in humility. He's not striving, and he's not rushing when he hears this news and when God begins to do something great in his heart. Look at verse 4, though. It's the first time that we see a shift from the, from the problem to solutions, Okay, it's, it's beautiful. And uh, we see that when the king says, what are you requesting? Now, I, if, you're, if you've got your notes out, I want, you to, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this. Define the vision, okay? Define the vision. If you are dreaming with God, if we are dreaming with God as a church, if you are dreaming with God as an individual, the time is gonna come when you're not just upset and sad about a problem. The time is gonna come where God's gonna call you and those around you to be a solution to the problem, not just complainers about the problem, right? And the way that that happens is none other than actually making it plain and defining this is what we're going to do in response, in kingdom response to the problem that is at hand. I want you to, to define the vision. And the, the, 
the question that the king asked Nehemiah is the perfect scenario for Nehemiah to make it plain and define it. You don't just feel problems and just constantly vibe out bad feelings on people, all right? You can feel problems and cry for a while and get healed up and then say, you know what we're gonna do? Is we're gonna trust God to open doors we can never walk through and when he does, we're gonna have a crystal clear vision on what God wants to do in that moment. We're gonna be prepared and we're gonna be ready. That's how the church should be operating here, right? Right, so at Providence, we say this. I, I hope everybody knows this. I love hearing that maybe some of you are here, it's your first day, I wanna say, Welcome, maybe you're online and you're just with us and you're like, hello, I wanna, but it is, here's the, the vision and the dream that is on us as a house and it is that we would be a Jesus church. It is as simple as that. When you boil us down, there's all kinds of other things that we can do and we will do other things, but it will all come out of that vision and dream. The church was bought by Jesus, paid for by Jesus, saved, redeemed by Jesus, and, and, uh, and now the church is supposed to live for this man. And we wanna be all about him. We wanna, we wanna be happy when we think about him, right? So we're, we're a Jesus church. So there's a, a time where you have to, when somebody says, what are you actually doing? What are you actually all about? There's a time that you actually have to put it in words and make it plain. Here's what, uh, here's what Nehemiah does in verse five. He says, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you, here's the vision, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. This is simple. Here's the vision, king. I want you to send me back to my hometown to rebuild my fallen city. That's what I want. Now, just think for a moment how, how crazy this is to be sent back to a conquered city, all right, that Babylon was responsible, uh, responsible for in some ways and say, the city that you broke, I would like to rebuild. <laughs> if it pleases you, that is. Oh, okay. So I want to rebuild Jerusalem, but it is a, it is a, da it is a dangerous dream. But listen to this. It, dangerous or not, the question is not, does it make sense? The question is, is God on it? Hello? Is God, is God on the dream? Things that don't make sense will make sense. And uh, God will handle that supernaturally. It just has to be something that you know, that you know, that you know, that God is calling you to do. And so this has to, we need a lot more visions in the church today that make no sense on paper, make a whole lot of sense in our hearts and in heaven, right? Nehemiah says, I want to rebuild Jerusalem. And then if you skip down to verse 12, he, he's, uh, he says it like this. He says, I, I'm gonna do what God had put in my heart to do. So Nehemiah is, is saying this. He says, he says, I'm not just dreaming a dream built on tears that, is, that I think is a good idea and might work. All right, and this is actually kind of a bad idea. I'm dreaming a dream that God has actually put in my heart to do, and that's what we would call a God dream. We're dreaming with God. God burdens us. We say, we wanna be an answer to this problem. God opens the doors. We walk in them with courage and faith. This is, this is how we dream in the kingdom. And then, so look what happens after this, starting with verse six. It says, and the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. 
And I, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. I love that. He's like, I want to build myself a house too. You're going to pay for it. And so that's great. And, and the king granted me what I asked. This is, this is wonderful. Hey, hey, king, I'm going to dream with God here and you are going to fund it. That is basically what he's saying. For the good hand of my God was, was upon me. Now that is what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Is God's hand on your dream? That is the question. Because all the craziness of this, what, look what you say. Uh, look what Nehemiah said to the king. He said, send me back to the city that you conquered and you broke. And I'm going to build it back and I'm going to do it on your dime. All right? And the king liked it. <laughs> and, the king, and, and here's why. It's because the good hand of my God was on me. The king gave Nehemiah everything that he requested. How did this work so well? How did all the craziness of this work so well? How did the king grant everything that Nehemiah asked for? It's the good hand. And can I tell you this? Many times that we know in the church, especially the evangelical church or the, the fundamentalist church, we know the hand of God is a disciplining hand that smacks us when we say a bad word, that, that spanks us when we do something wrong. I want to tell you right now that anything that comes from God's hand is good, all right? Do you, do you hear this? The good hand of my God, listen, was on me. Not something to be afraid of, something to be blessed by. When God's hand is on you, listen, when God's hand is on you, it is good and it opens doors you never could. So when you're determining a God dream, one of the questions that we should not ask ourselves is, will this work? All right? Because a God dream is so impossible, it can't, humanly speaking. Right? The question when determining, is this a God dream, is, is this, is God's hand on it? It's God's hand on it. That's what prayer should, should start with. Not how do we do this, but God is your hand on this. Are the, what, this crazy, insane dream that you've given us, are you in it? Are you on it? Are, are you going to bless it? Is this from you? And I've, I've seen many dreams that make sense actually not have God's hand on them. And then I've seen others that seem ridiculous but God's hand was on it. You wanna hear a few uh, examples? When, uh, when we were starting Providence way back in the day, Providence started, our, we had our first public service, October 27th, 2007, all right? So that's why October 27th is our birthday. That's where we celebrate it. But before then, starting July 1st of 2007 is really the first day where I shifted from being in youth ministry to, uh, to starting Providence. And I remember, even before we had our first service, a pastor from the Hanover area, I won't say any names, that would be very sweet to do this, live streamed everywhere, all right? But I, a pastor from the area came to my house, didn't even know him. He pulled up in front of my, uh, of my house, he knocked on the door, I, I came outside, I didn't really know him, and you never wanna trust a strange pastor, they're dangerous. But I came outside and on the, on the lawn, the pastor told me, you know, the kind of church that you want to start in this town will never work, all right? He'd been in ministry for multiple decades, and he, he spoke that into me. This will never work in Hanover. And then another pastor um, uh, let me know that Providence would fail in its first year. 
okay? So I wanna let you know, guys, listen, the question is not, are people opposing your dream? Are people saying this is too audacious? The question is, is God's hand on it? And when God's hand is on it, you don't have to listen to the other voices, pastors or not, right? Come on, somebody, right? The que- if God's hand is on it, I, I, wanna, I wanna encourage you to, to rise up in confidence that I am walking in the same heartbeat with my dad. What, he's taking me to places where, and, and if it's impossible, prepare yourself for miracles. That must be the, the posture that we have when we're dreaming with God. And I, I've, I've learned to love walking in places that other people have de- declared impossible because those are just assignments from the enemy and we just stay, say, God, this may be impossible. Who am I to do this? But God, if, if you will go out with the army, then I'll go into battle, right? But your presence has to be with us. In other words, God, your hand has to be on, that, on it, all right? So when, the, when the, the vision is defined, all right, when the vision is defined um, and even opposition comes to this and things that would, would take you off track and when you've, when you've said, you know what, the hand of God is on this, I'm defining the vision, God is showing his support for us, God is showing that this is from his heart, not just our brains, right? The, when the vision is defined, there's a crucial next step and this is a step that if I, if I made mistakes in my past, besides doing attacking things that bother me instead of being broken, this is the second one that I've made, is I, I, I define the vision, but I skip right to working the vision out instead of doing this next step, all right? And the next very crucial step that I've learned the hard way is this, it's inspecting the wall, all right? You define the vision, the hand of God is on it, but what you must do after that is you must inspect the wall. When you see brokenness around you and you've got the heart of God to, to move forward with his heart and with tears and with humility, when you define the vision, you say, this is what I think God is on you, and, and you, say, you actually see that, man, the hand of God is on this. What you have to do next is you have to open up your heart for radical inspection. Why did the wall break? Where were the weak spots? Where were we susceptible to attack? And many times we zip right past that out of zeal, out of maybe good-hearted dreaming. But you have to inspect the wall before you try to rebuild it. If there's something broken, if you just get right to work, you'll be in jeopardy of building the same weak structure. All right. So the word "inspect" here is, uh, you know, "define" means this: to look at something closely in order to assess its condition or to discover any shortcomings. Now, the very first thing that that Nehemiah did was this: he, when he gets to Jerusalem, look at verse thirteen and fifteen. He gets to Jerusalem. Well, let's start with verse eleven. I went to Jerusalem was when was there three days. Then I arose in the night. I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So he's operating in the, in the vision. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the the fountain gate into the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal. Man, this guy loves animals. Uh, that was under me to pass. Then I went up to up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. 
Guys, do you see what he does? He gets to Jerusalem. He waits three days for some reason. He's operating in patience. He's not just operating in rage, all right? Uh, he's not just reacting. He's responding. And he inspects the walls before anybody even knows why he is there. He, if the word inspect means to, uh, to look at something closely in order to assess its condition or discover any shortcomings, that is exactly what Nehemiah is doing. He's looking for in, in the condition of the wall at every angle. What are its shortcomings? What, what, uh, I need to discover anything I can about the wall in hopes that this, this vision, listen, the vision that God gives is not going to be lesser but greater, all right? We're going to build a wall, but we're going to build it in a greater way. It's going to do greater things now than it did do then. And inspection is an honest look at something's condition. And I'm telling you this, this is, this is painful. The reason it's easy to skip, like the dreaming is easy. The inspection is painful. When you look at something, you realize the wall broke down and you realize I built the wall. What? what? I built the wall. What does that mean? Well, many times we like to just, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay. There's something that you need to do inspect in our hearts. And I think one of the best things that we can do if we're gonna be people that dream with God is we can just take our hearts and we can do this. And we can say, God, all access pass to tell me what you see on your inspection of my heart and my life and my motives and, and the world that I've created. All access pass to me. A, a God dream demands honest inspection not to make you feel bad, okay? That people don't change, people don't walk in, in a biblical transformation because they feel bad enough to change, okay? That is, you know, when the pain level gets this much, you know, the, you know, the change level, maybe that works when you're trying to drop a few pounds, but it doesn't work when, when with your heart, okay? This is, there's two, God doesn't try to shame you into a new life. He loves you into one, okay? So there's two observations though about inspection that I want us to see that number one, that honest inspection is where we learn, okay? Honest inspection is where we learn. So honest inspection is where we get a, a, a new perspective. Do you know that, that broken walls are actually gifts? You know this? You know that broken walls are gifts? Do you know that we're not supposed to succeed every single time? Do you know that that is not what God is looking for in us? Do you know this? Do you know that God doesn't think that you're a failure because you built walls that got broken? Do you know that? But God is inviting you to be a rebuilder. To say, oh man, they broke. How can we learn now? How can we take a new perspective? What I did last time worked in some ways, but not in every way. How can I rebuild this thing? So we've got we've to break free of a performance mindset that sees brokenness as failure. Thank you. Um, that, listen to this. Broken walls are opportunities for miracles. You know this? Broken walls are opportunities for growth. I think so many of us, we, we've gotten this gospel message that we're actually afraid to come to church because we have so much brokenness. And maybe it was a financial brokenness or maybe uh, our name got shamed in the, in the local newspaper. Maybe it was, uh, I, I just got a divorce and, and uh, or just, just some, some, some type of uh, moral failure, all right? Well, that is brokenness, but it's not too big for God. And so God is not hanging your failure over his head. He paid for your failure at the cross and he wants to teach you what it is to rebuild in the kingdom, 
all right? The danger is if you don't walk into the pain of honest inspection, you will gravitate towards building like you did last season. And we don't need last season's walls in the kingdom. We need new wine with new wineskins in this season. Don't, so you're, you'll, if you build like you did then, like you will if you don't invite honest inspection, what you'll do is you'll just be a reproducer of the past. You won't be a builder for the future, all right? And we don't wanna rebuild the past, do we? Do you know this? That each generation gives the next uh, generation a certain amount of brokenness to grow from and then use as a step into building a better future. You know this? So we, we all talk about how it broken the churches and blah, 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 blah. I'm really, I, I feel like it's to the point of sin now. It's talking about how broken the church is. We can't just wallow around in our tears. We actually have to be real uh, rebuilders in that every generation does their best. And if we just maximize on their brokenness, all right, that is not the heart of the Father. You know what we need to do? Okay, the church is broken. The last generation, maybe they fixed some things that if we would honestly inspect, we'd say, oh, not as broken as I thought. But if we would just look at it and say, okay, we're gonna take the, our, the prior generation's brokenness when it comes to the church as a gift that we're not gonna have to repeat. And we're gonna experience we're gonna inspect honestly where they failed and then use it as a step into the future that God has for us, right? So, so I would say this, if God's put a dream on your heart, inspect and be honest. This is, this is simple, guys. This is, I, I, I'm gonna inspect, it's gonna be painful, we're gonna see where it was weak, we're gonna see where it crumbled, but God is bigger than any crumbling walls, come on. And so, so an honest inspection is where we actually learn. It actually becomes a step into our future. But here's, here's the last thing, that an honest inspection is how we plan, okay? A dream without a plan is going next to nowhere, all right? So your plan comes from your inspection. I don't know how many ways I can say this because this is, this is a hard one. Only a few people get this, and then that's not popular to say in the church. Okay, because for some reason, planning in church kind of means that you're not operating in line with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not just crazy and random, all right? He is. And I love, I love when he, he really comes, right? And he falls on a house. And he, he, he breaks all the rules and, uh, and he does things. And we need that more. But you know one of the things that the Holy Spirit also does is he helps us plan. All right, it's not just spiritual if it was random. It can be spiritual if you plan for it a decade back. And I'm planning for revival now. Come on, guys, right? We, we've got, what do we need to do for when God breaks out then, right? So leaders who have a plan, listen to this though. Leaders who have a plan, here's where it's unspiritual. Leaders who have a plan before they have properly inspected are either unwise or very arrogant, okay? If you have not inspected the scene, you have not inspected the wall, or you, you have not inspected the brokenness of what God is calling you to be a solution to, and you just walk in and you tell everybody this is what we're doing. Well, we've been, we've been living with we, these walls. We know these walls. Who do you think you are just coming in here and telling us, well, I prayed about it. All right, well, that's not how the Bible says it happens. If, if God has a dream, he also has a plan. I can tell I, I'm losing fans on this one. It's okay. It's all right. 
But if God has a dream, he also has a plan. There's, their strategic planning is, is, is happens in heaven, all right? The problem with us is we just don't know how to tap into it. And this is a huge, there's a huge place where planning, this is where planning is under-spiritualized. I found that, that the burden um, or, or the confirmation of, of a call happens in the prayer room, happens when I get up at four in the morning with Jesus, happens when I can't sleep and I'm just hanging out with God and the Holy Spirit will come and burden. That's not necessarily the plan. The, the planning comes from when we take that burden and the power of the Holy Spirit and inspect the unhealthy places with God, okay? So if you can dream with God, you can plan with God. And I think that so many of us, we, we know the kind of life that is just like a merry-go-round or it's like a, a roller coaster where we get the burden and we go, yeah, I got the burden. We, we make no inspection. It's just fun while we've got the burden and we start going, like, start going back up again. We're like, why am I going back to the same weird spot that I was? I want to change my life. Whoa, <laughs> it's silly now. And then we start, well, why am I on the, it, listen, because you never, invited God to inspect your heart and change the direction so you don't just keep going round and round and round and round. And listen, God wants to lead you at night to broken places and say, that's the problem right there. Thanks for taking time to inspect it. This is what has you going in circles. That's why the wall gave way. We can fix this. You see this? This is what the Spirit will do when he leads you in this way to make proper inspection of the problem. We can fix this, guys. This is not, I, I, I will supply everything. I will have kings fund the rebuilding. Let's stop going around in circles and let's, let's figure out a plan to be a solution to brokenness, not just ride around for a while. All right? Is this fun? All right? It's a lot of fun. Like, listen, guys, I just want to tell you from personal experience, um, n- none of us are operating in absolute perfection, are we? And so uh, many of us, this is why we need to operate in the body of Christ, okay? Because in the body of Christ, there are strengths where we have weaknesses and we have strengths where others have weakness. And I feel like God has been, pre- been preparing me for years for this message because my... Uh, my tendency has been to see a problem, to hurt with God, but to have that hurt turn into frustration and then make a really clear, compelling dream and then wing it the rest of the way, all right? And God has been showing me as I've had a mild obsession with the book of Nehemiah and as I've just been journaling line by line through this book that, that Nathan, listen, plans aren't unspiritual, and be beginning to then toss that out to the body. Say, hey, here's what's on my heart. How, how can we do this together? Do you know, like, part of the way that, you know, generations from the past have, have handed church to us is you just get, like, one CEO-type leader that has a great j- dream, and that guy or gal just tells everybody what to do, and as long as they keep sounding good from podiums, we keep following them. But I just, I just want to divorce from that. All right? I, I want to say God speaks to dreamers and leaders in different ways. We've got apostles, we've got prophets, we've got evangelists, we've got pastors, we've got teachers, all right? God, God speaks and moves in different ways, but then we do this together. And the doing it together and the making it plain, here's where we're going and here's how we're getting there. Let's all inspect together and repent for where we've been weak 
or welcome God into the weakness. That is, that is how God works. And I'm, I'm telling you, though, as scary as inspection is, it's going to open the door for other strengths. It's going to help us to go further than we ever thought we could before. Uh, and it, it's going to be painful. Let me talk about the pain for my last few moments here. And then uh, we're just going to end on a painful note, okay? All right? Listen to this. I, uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes you got to walk out and just be like, ouch. Man, I got to come back next week. Next week's going to be fire, I'm telling you that. All right? But, but here's, I, uh, for a, a few months ago, God was getting me up between 3.45 and 4.30 in the morning almost every single day. And I was so troubled and bothered that I just got out of bed. That's, that's usually not when I get out of bed, all right? I usually sleep until noon. I make a quick call to Julie, say, is everything okay? All right, then I go back to sleep. You know, it's so silly. It's my job so, so easy. Uh, but uh, it's, but uh, I'm being sarcastic. That's not how it is. I, I do get up early just uh, for all the haters. All right, so anyway, the, uh, but I was getting up earlier, all right? 4.30, let's say. And I was getting up and I was feeling this tension. I was just feeling like this, the Holy Spirit drawing me, all right? And I would just get up and I, I, I remember one morning, um, I was like, God, do you want me to read a book? Do you want me to you know, pray? Do you, want, do you want me to journal? I remember one morning I couldn't really do anything. I was just like, God, I'm here. And I remember uh, I really felt prompted to put on some music. And so I put on this music, and it was music I'd never listened to before. It's a lady named Julie True. She's just like a prayer room worship leader. Um, she just sings songs that you would sleep to. All right, <laughs> and I happen to be 4.30 in the morning hanging out with Julie True, very kind of, it's just like, ooh, it's kind of like what the angels listen to, all right? And I remember, I don't know why I'm listening to Julie True. I, I, I heard Aunt Lorraine singing one of her songs in the prayer room once, and that's how I got onto her, right? And I'm, I'm just listening to Julie True. I'm just like, God, I'm just here. I don't even know why. And then I heard her singing a song. It was track number seven on, on her album, and she was just singing Rebuild, Rebuild. It's like, Jesus, is this you? See, rebuild the broken places. Re re rebuild, bring, bring uh, chaos into order. Rebuild from the vision. And she's singing all these things, singing all these things. And wh what I did is I, I went and I grabbed my journal and I, I opened it up and I, I looked at the four areas that I really felt we needed to rebuild at Providence. All right? And Julie True is singing now, uh, prophetically, Whenever she recorded this, prophetically com confirmation over the four areas that I had had on my heart after I inspected and I felt bad. And you know what I felt after doing this at 4.30 in the morning, as good as you can feel at 4.30, I started feeling, God, your hand is on this. God, you are taking us to places. God, we've, we've gone through a season where we've done some inspection and it hasn't felt great. But God, you now you're singing over us because we had the faith and the courage to walk in that direction. So you're, you're singing what we inspected. You know that God will take your painful inspection and make it a song, a, a song of victory in the kingdom. Do you know this? Do you know, do you know that you can look at your mess with God? and not feel bad about it, you can look at your mess with God and actually get a God dream and a God vision for your life. And, for the, and actually more than this, like God wants to give visions to the church that doesn't just impact you, but impacts others, right? He can give you a vision that, that uh, wrecks the world in beautiful ways. And God's invitation at this stage is, uh, is scary. But the, the weight of taking a scary step. Listen, do it scared. 
step into open heart surgery and invite God into your heart and say, honest inspection of me. I've been so angry at them and them, and that's not right, and that's not right. And if I was in that position, I would do it, and I would do it, and I would do it. That, that's, repent of that and say, God, honest inspection of this wall. Honest inspection of the life that I've built. You've got, it's, it's gonna be scary, but it's gonna be worth it. Um, I, uh, I was having these ab abdominal pains for a few months, and I was scared to get them looked at because I was scared to find out what they would be, honestly, all right? Um, and uh, I eventually went to the doctor and the doctor upon, and I, a thorough examination of my abdomen, I'm telling you, the thoroughness is an understatement, all right? Found out that I, I have a hernia. Pray, pray for pastor's hernia, all right? I was lifting too many rocks, thinking that I'm 27 instead of 43, all right? And, uh, and so I, I would have gone through my life not knowing what this pain was, but kind of being slowed down a little bit had I not just welcomed inspection. I remember when I was 12 years old, I, had, I found a tumor on my chest right here. And uh, I was so afraid to tell anybody about it because I was telling myself that it was cancer, all right? I was so afraid to tell anybody about it that I kept it a secret for a year. Do you know what potential cancer needs? Thorough inspection. Do you know what happens when you don't thoroughly inspect, but you, uh, you inspect, but you operate in fear? Bad stuff. All right. I was afraid to discover the truth. And what, actually, what the truth actually did was set me free. I, I finally tell my parents, I just go, a surgeon pops the thing out, benign muscle tumor, gone. All right. But you, the, the inspection is what actually turns us loose. This is what you're dealing with. Here's how you need to rebuild. Well, I'd rather not know. Well, then you're gonna stay where you're at. If you would just rather not know, I hope that is a, a, a good existence for you where you just hang out where you're at. But God has something better for you. He wants to call you into new places and he wants to use a painful season or a painful moment actually as a step into a glorious future of dreaming with him. And this morning, um, I just think that God wants to know if you want to let him take you there. He's inviting, that's not the problem. The, the issue is not, God, do you wanna take me there? Listen, that is established. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I wanna hang out with you, I wanna eat with you, I wanna take you to places that you could never go, all right? He's, it's established. He, uh, a good dad wants to know his kids, all right? The question is, do you wanna to respond to his invitation? And some of you this morning, the invitation starts here. I need to know Jesus in the first place. I've never actually begun a relationship with Jesus. I've been trying to impress God for a long time, trying to be good enough for God. But being good enough for God is called religion. And here's the beauty of the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus was good enough for God. And he paid for everything that would keep you from his death. All right? He is now the treasure of the universe that you get to know and love with all of your heart. And so some of you just need to say, Jesus, I want you today. And by faith, not by effort, I'm stepping into relationship with you. And some of you, others here today, you are actually dreamers, but your dreams have gone dormant because you've been unwilling to walk through a season of, of painful inspection. And this morning, I just wanna say, hey, don't let fear win, all right? The inspection is good. The pain is good right? God's using it for glorious gains. 
and for a glorious future. Can we just say amen to that this morning? Can we, just, can we stand to our feet for a moment? And if, if you believe that God just has something for you today, just kind of put your hands out in a receiving posture. So Heavenly Father, just pray this over this church today. I just pray, God, that any inspection you wanna do in us, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now just to come and just to blow on our hearts, blow on this church, God. We're not afraid to fail. We, we, we are already accepted and loved by our Father. And so we are excited to grow, not afraid to fail. And so God, I just pray that you would inspect our walls. You would inspect our dreams. You would inspect problems and you would actually give us supernaturally inspired divine solutions that are in partnership with your heart where we're not opposing you doing it on our own, but we're actually working in the Spirit's power, God. And so we bless you and we receive all that you have for us today. And I just pray especially for people that have never received Jesus, never received the gospel, never received the new life that they can have in Jesus. I just pray this is a moment where their hearts uh, respond in faith and repentance and in true biblical belief in who Jesus is and what he's done. And God, I just pray for people that you would, you would save people even in this moment, God, by faith. Bless this house, bless this church, bless every single person here, God. We just celebrate you this day and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.